The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure podcast. Your Kansas City Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl once again. Woo! 17 to 7 over the Baltimore Ravens. They controlled this game from beginning to end in what is probably becoming routine for some of you. Uh, it still feels surreal to those of us that uh, have followed this team for decades. It is mind blowing the run that this team is on. And maybe we should expect it by now, but this one feels different. Yes, it does, Stags. Yes, it does. Uh, it has feels very different because they went on the road. They defied odds. They were underdogs in both games. They were, they're underdogs in the Super Bowl still, uh, you know, even though that was kind of a funny storyline as it went from two and a half to one point very quickly like that. The, the betters are smarter than that, uh, taking Mahomes as the underdog. But, man, this has been a wild season, a wild ride. And, honestly, this does feel like a nice – bow on, on on top of just a, a a roller coaster getting to the super bowl now the super bowl is just gonna be a fun event we'll get there we'll talk about it next week we got two weeks right stags let's just reflect on this because it is a season that I, I i truly did not think we would be here i know you you maybe have heard that from people these last few weeks right maybe someone said that when they got to the ac championship maybe someone said that when they got to the divisional round i i, I don't i don't necessarily agree that i didn't see them getting to those points I actually did not see them getting past the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship and getting to the Super Bowl. I chose against them, Stags, and uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. I've never been happier to be wrong. Like I, I know it's so <laughs> cliche to say, but it's it's a beautiful thing. I'm you usually happy when you're wrong, but this this is even better. You know, I for me it was I didn't dare let myself believe fully that they were going to be at this point. I thought in the back of my head, hey, this has been a this has been a tough year. Expectations should be a little bit lower. Getting to the AFC Championship game, to me, represented a successful season. I didn't expect them to beat the Ravens, but I said if it was close, this team's going to find a way to win. And you know, it, it ended up being fairly close. But again, this team felt like they were in control of this game this entire time. Uh, I don't know how you bet against them at this point given what we've seen and in many ways this is like a movie script and every every championship season every season in some ways is like a movie script and sometimes it's believable and sometimes it's not but some of the best years some of the Super Bowl championship years they've had some really tough times that have hardened them that have you know forged in steel or whatever whatever analogy you want to use they've they've come together and they've and it's kind of made them a, a better team when they've had rough times during the regular season and even in those years in the playoffs when they've gotten down by big big amounts and had to come back and fight through that it's it's gotten to the point where they've seen everything this is a this is an experienced team that knows exactly what it takes to win in the playoffs and to win Super Bowls 
and and they've they've adapted in different ways to make that happen. Well, they just proved that, right? I mean, that's one thing that championship experience obviously goes a long way because I think in each of these last two games, you saw reasons why Baltimore, why Buffalo were not the teams advancing. The ball, th- this last game specifically, right? The the penalties, you know, some of the the undisciplined, you know, taunting, the the uh, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. Kelsey uh, got Van Noy on. Um, that that goes into that. And another part of that is, you know, Justin Tucker, you know, thinking that, you know, and and I, you know, I know we don't know for sure, you know, exactly where he was supposed to be, why he was there. In my opinion. You know, Jim Harbaugh is a, you know, he's a gamesman, you know, that Harbaugh family is a, is a football, you know, they, they love to, uh, you know, uh, do their little uh, tricks and, and details. And he probably said, Hey, you know, just, just go mess with them a little bit, you know, just, uh, you know, go, uh, go see what uh, Mahomes and Kelsey are doing, you know, play a little, uh, you know, see how they react to it. And I, and I love how Mahomes and Kelsey and even saw MBS kicking that T around all that little stuff, man. Like you don't want to do that, and the Chiefs, the Chiefs were locked in the whole time, right? They weren't playing those little games, and that's what you saw. And that is where I do want to say, this team. I thought, you know, I tweeted this earlier this year. You know, it felt like a 2017 season or 2021 season where there were just rough stretches where it felt like, okay, this team is not going to get all the way. The train is going to come to a screeching halt at some point, and there's going to be some real changes this off season to correct that stuff. There's still could be real changes this offseason stags, but the train never stopped rolling. And that's the that's a testament to Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Steve Spagnolo, Chris Jones, the great players on this team. You know, they just overcame that all right. And that's we really are truly living in a in a amazing time to be a Chiefs fan because all those guys are at the top of their game. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You you talked about Ravens coach John Harbaugh. He he was a previously a special teams coach. So he Pretty sure he knows where the kicker is supposed to be <laughs> in pre-games warm pre-game warmups. Those are details that that wasn't an accident. Um, and, and yeah, there's a lot of chatter going on about how it's not unusual that he was in that spot. But clearly, the Chiefs felt like it was unusual. Um, the way that they reacted was was uh, petty. It was it was it was childish, uh, but it was awesome in the same way. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm perfectly fine with. With that, I think great teams and great players, you know, watch the Michael Jordan documentary on on Netflix. Uh, they find things to be to use as bulletin yes. board materials, to use as fuel, to use to get them fired up. Uh, and you use the word poke the bear. He, they poke the bear and and uh, the Bills did it. And Mahomes, you know, you could hear the the emphatic nature of his postgame comments against the Bills and saying they, they asked for it. They got yeah. it right. Uh, and and you know what the Ravens asked for it, and they're not a team that's used to being pushed around. This Kansas City Chiefs team was the aggressor; they were the bully, they were the the tougher, more physical team, uh, which is insane to say because it, that's not what we expected going into this this game or into this season. Well, no, and that's where it was just Andy Reid's game plan and Spag's game plan too, but just the the overall execution of coming out, out right of the gate and taking the crowd out of it by getting a stop early, right? Getting a touchdown right out of the gate. You know, obviously the Ravens did get that, <clears throat> that big touchdown drive on their second possession, but the Chiefs answered right back. You know, that's just a great way to, to come in on a road playoff game. I mean, you can't ask for anything better because, you know, <clears throat> anyone watching that pregame leading up to it, man, it felt like that crowd was about to be a ruckus you know, about to be, you know, and it didn't really seem like it was, it was all that. And it's probably because the chiefs really did come in and take some energy out and, and really put some anxiety into the crowd by just yeah. looking great out of the, out of the first half and then putting all the onus on Lamar on the Ravens offense and spags, this defense to, to kick some butt. So that was, it was a really fun. Well, they had a chance to, to make it to even, they had a chance to make it even crazier. I mean, if you remember the first two drives for the chiefs were, were touchdowns. Uh, the third drive, they got down to the Baltimore 13 yard line, uh, went for it on fourth and one, and did not make it. Uh, they were trying to go for the juggler there early in, in this game. I mean, that's that's an aggressive play call. That's not something that the Chiefs always do, uh, but for for them to go for it there instead of kicking the field goal uh, really says something about the way that they 
they game plan this thing out was let's get up early. Let's let, let's take the crowd out of it. Let's force the, the Ravens to, to think they have to pass more uh, right. because that's something else I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, if you want to react to that, you can, but, but also let's talk about the running game after that. Yeah. Cause when you look at it early in the game, they went for it on the fourth down in the opening drive too. Right. And, and got that one. It was a great play by Travis Kelsey. Like they were aggressive right out of the gate. You're right. They did want to score, put the pressure on the Ravens off the bat, and they didn't want to settle for field goals. That's something that we've kind of seen them do recently. But, you know, they did set up the 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 Chiefs defense to kind of have to just, you know, sit down and, and play stout and kind of, you know, contain the Ravens off from scoring too much. Right. And the Chiefs defense did it. They 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 did it, you know, A to Z after that second drive. Right. It was really one drive. And from there, the Chiefs defense stepped up. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that that one one drive was a busted coverage where Nick Bolton ends up on Zay Flowers deep. Uh, after that, the Ravens went fumble, punt, punt, end of half, punt, punt, fumble, interception, and then garbage time field goal. And this game, this game was over. Like that is a uh, that is a ridiculous performance by this defense, and and so many of those were you know three and out, four and out, five and out, three and out, you know three and out this was a this was a dominant dominant defensive performance well and the Ravens really you know set them up a little bit right you know they kind of got behind and and stopped you know using the traditional run game but even when they did run I mean this Chiefs these Chiefs defenders stepped up you know a guy like you know and I know we're you know we're 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 not into the winners and losers yet but there are you know guys like Drew Tranquil guys like you know uh George Karloftis you know guys like Justin Reed you know really did step up um, and so it, it was it, it was one of those things where like stacks, I really came out of this game like we are watching like all time defensive unit, like one of those things where like you can say, oh, remember the 15 Broncos, remember the you know Legion of Boom Seahawks, you know, remember the, you know, uh, you know, there's early, early, you know, thousands Patriots, you know, in those runs with Tom Brady, like, well, the, you know, this unit those are 2000, 2000 Ravens, right? And the and the yeah. bears and the like, this. like, yeah, and oh, that's no, the thing, like, I I yeah I know, right I did say those to like some of my friends and I was like yeah maybe I shouldn't go all the way there but I think the 15, 15 Broncos is a good one um you know, where it's just like this team really is like a special group playing together the coaching staff the DBs and and that's where Spags deserves a lot of credit but like Dave Merritt you know golly I mean these the, he he's got, definitely going to be a defense coordinator at some point and you know Spags is work is thinking about you know, hanging it up or something at some point, you know, I'd hope Merritt sticks around till then because he'd be a great DC. So yeah, I don't these, know. Spags, it's, yeah. These defensive backs were ridiculous. Once again, I mean, we, we've talked all season about McDuffie and about um, Legereus Sneed. They were lights out. That play by Sneed is one of the biggest plays you will ever see. This, oh. That is, that should go down in, in playoff lore in, in most, one of the most epic defensive plays ever. Uh, forcing the fumble uh, on, on Zay Flowers, you're right after uh, Flowers taunted him and, and got a penalty out of the deal. Uh, I mean, that was a, a game-saving, season-saving play in some ways. Like, the, that is a, a turning point uh, of all turning points. And, and again, just the, the, the clutch nature of that is unbelievable. But those guys were hidden. They're, they're probably the best tackling secondary in the league. And, and the coverage was such that it nothing was was easy for for the Ravens other than Zay Flowers on Nick Bolton. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, even that play, you know, Leo Chanel blitzes should have been able to bring Lamar down, right? Yeah. And 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 should have at least got, you know, not been able to let him get that pass off. Um, you know, that's that was kind of the the cool thing about this game is it really was just, you know, player execution that uh, you know, was the only reason this Ravens team got plays and Spags really did put his team in great positions th throughout the game. I did think it was poetic though with Sneed's fumble, right? Like McDuffie's been the force fumble playmaker guy this year, all year when we kind of thought maybe he'd be the coverage guy and Sneed's been the coverage guy all year. But then in this game, McDuffie is the one that's, that's locking up, you know, he, he had two third down uh, pass breakups or maybe it was one of them was third down. The other was just a, an important one at, at, in the red zone. Um, just, Awesome to see these corners be so versatile, right? Just like and do so many things. On that play, when Snead forces that fumble, that ball's free in the end zone. That could have just as easily been a touchdown oh, yeah. for the Raven. Yeah. McDuffie came flying in to cover that thing up uh, in, in between a couple other players. So, you know, there's there's those little details, those little things that could have gone the, the other way 
that that hinge every every single game. But I felt like there were, there was a lot of those this in this game when the Chiefs made the plays they needed to make uh, time after time. Yeah, no, it was it really was just awesome to watch this defense. It's something that we talked about, I think, on this podcast, right? Like it'd be fun to see this team ride the defense, you know, go on this, you know, magical run, you know, like a Spags Giants run in 07, you know, where the offense really maybe isn't doing as much. This defense really is carrying the team, but we do have to still, you know, respect the fact that Patrick Mahomes turned a dial at some point. And it, it might have been that Christmas Day game, right? Where, and I think we've kind of heard some players talk about it, where since then, you know, this offense has operated at an an impressive level of, of clean football, right? Mahomes has not thrown an interception since that Raiders game. That's four starts straight without an interception. On top of that, he hasn't had a turnover-worthy play, according to PFF, in those four games. It's the longest stretch of his entire career without a turnover-worthy play. He was, it was tied last week with three. Now he, he's done it, four in a row. So three straight playoff games without a single turnover-worthy play where he is not putting the ball in harm's way. And before, you know, we, we talk about this game specifically, just his overall playoff career has just been absurd at this point because we've gotten to 17 games. It's a full regular season now. Okay. 4,800 passing yards, 460 rushing yards, 39 passing touchdowns, five rushing town touchdowns, so 44 total touchdowns, seven interceptions in the postseason against the best of the best. And you're talking about a lot of those games are not in the wild card. They're against either divisional round or AFC championship or Super Bowl opponents where it truly is the best teams available. That's all I got to say. Freaking absurd. And really, there's been one bad loss in that that stretch. Two overtime losses in AFC championship games, one loss in the Super Bowl, uh, 14 and three, now right up there with a chance to to break or, or overtake some other records in the uh, uh in the super bowl yeah because uh he is one postseason win away from passing peyton manning for third all time for playoff <laughs> wins quarterback peyton manning i mean come on two touchdown passes from passing him from the same guy for fifth all time and passing touchdowns in the playoffs and he's only 163 yards from passing john elway for eighth all time and also four rushing yards away from passing Elway for six all time in rushing yards in the postseason um, that was yeah, clay, when you start, right? the, when you start the, passing the, legends as a as a quarterback. Peyton Manning is one of those that's that's just an all timer, right? Like you, yeah, he's he played for so long. <laughs> yeah, but but he's also just like one of the benchmarks for for quarterbacks that that you know Tom Brady is a benchmark for for winning Super Bowls, and and Peyton Manning is is one of the benchmarks for just all time great quarterback play, cerebral quarterback play, efficiency, touchdown scoring. Um, to, to pass him and to pass Elway in in the same game potentially, uh, Mahomes has even a even an average Super Bowl. He's gonna he's gonna break all of those uh, those marks, and and it's it's really it's really crazy. So in case there was ever a doubt, you saw on the field the difference between a Patrick Mahomes and a Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson is a is a tremendous player. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to insult his game whatsoever uh he was the one player that that i feared the most for the chiefs coming into this game uh, he should be the league's mvp this year but you saw some of the things that make mahomes mahomes and the things that make lamar lamar uh and and that's a big part of why the chiefs won this game uh what are some things that you noticed about the difference between the two i got i got a couple that i thought of well, yeah, no, I think this is a thing. It's it's a huge stage. You know, there's a lot going on. Both defenses are very good. It does take like an, a, a very, very good quarterback to to win these games like it. You know, you have that's why, you know, the people that are, uh, you know, they, they talk about like Josh Allen, you know, still played better than Patrick Mahomes. It's like, you know, it is so hard to win these games and Mahomes needs to get credit for winning these games. And the things he does is he is just consistent from start to finish right i mean you know in this game particularly he started what 10 for 10 passing mahomes did just was absolute nails never wasted a drop back right and that opening script was great but even past that you know into you know the the end of the second quarter you know they got 17 points and he was still dicing up the ravens defense you know 
should have had a freaking touchdown on the screen pass. The, the Trey Smith holding call was absolute horse. And, and so, yep. you know, I, you have a very efficient offense in the first half and like, you have to be able to do that like over and over. You can't just be able to do it for two plays and, and maybe not third play and, 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 you know, you know, be nickel and diming. And then, you know, maybe when it's there one play, you know, not take it and then go for the big shot, you know, force it. And I do think Lamar is a little, was a little bit of like, Hey, you know, there were some stretches where it's like, okay, you know, he's going to, he, he's going to start putting it on. And then, you know, he just had a few other dropbacks where, you know, he just wasn't, he, he just wasn't playing within the rhythm of the offense and uh, mm-hmm. and was trying to do too much. And we've seen Mahomes do that, right? But Mahomes yeah. has gotten past that, and 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 that's why this is a legendary run. But but yeah, I think I think you did see the difference between a really good quarterback and a and a legendary quarterback on, on Sunday with some of those things. Yeah, it was consistency. It was it was the turnovers, right? The just the back breaking turnovers. Uh, for me, the the biggest thing that stood out to me was was the pocket presence, like just the ability to yeah. sense pressure. Right. Because both move. teams were getting pressure. Like both teams were yeah. getting were, were getting in there a little bit. Yeah, but Mahomes has this innate ability to to move and know when to take off and know when to to roll out um, to to avoid pressure. There's a reason he doesn't take very many sacks, and it's not because he has an elite offensive line in front of him. Uh, it's because he knows how to avoid the sack at all costs. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you just watched him one play. George Karloftis, or, I'm sorry, Charles Amenehu, probably his is uh, one of his biggest plays of the season, uh, gets loose. Lamar is standing there holding the ball forever. Finally, uh, Amenahue comes loose, and and Lamar has no idea he's coming. Just absolutely no clue. Uh, I feel like if Mahomes was in the same situation there, it's not a strip sack. It's a uh, he's stepped up in the pocket or he's taken off running or he's done he's done something to avoid that situation. Now, not to say it's impossible for Mahomes to take a strip sack. It's 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 happened before. Uh, it just feels like that pocket presence, that that ability to to sense what's going on around you. Mahomes is just on a different level. No, hundred percent. I, I it honestly is kind of a cool like right direct comparison because I think Lamar gets like you know uh, un un uh, un unnecessarily labeled as a. You know, oh, he's gonna run out of the pocket. Maybe he's not gonna hang in there. And I kind of talked about this last week, but like he actually hangs in there too much a little bit, like you're just talking about. And it leads to this kind of stuff where, especially when you have a great defensive backfield that is covering well, that is not making the throwing windows, you know, uh, appetizing, right? You know, Lamar is not jumping at the opportunity to to throw these tight windows, and he keeps holding the ball. Yeah, it led to you know I think Tranquil chased him down at one point for a for a quarter uh, for a throwaway uh, on a, in a big spot. You know it leads to you know Karloftis got that sack at that on, on that one point because he kind of you know tried to hang in there and and just and I also think the Ravens offense didn't do a good enough job of giving him options quickly. You know there was a lot of times where all the routes were downfield and he just like was kind of like he was, it was a running. Well, and and that is maybe the thing here is that as I talk through it is like they a lot of times might trust Lamar to be the check down with his legs and the Chiefs defense pass rush wise might have just been so good at containing him, not allowing him to get out into space um, that, you know, on the on those plays where, you know, they got pressure so quickly, he wasn't able to make a move and get out of it because everyone can join so, so well. So, yeah, again, it was just absolute masterclass by Spags and just everybody involved defensively. Yeah, and we alluded to it earlier, but also I, I was – Really impressed by the way the, the Chiefs defended the run. Again, if you look coming into this game, you worry about Lamar Jackson running the ball. Uh, but this is a team that put up 229 yards rushing uh, the previous week against the Houston Texans, which is not a bad defense. Lamar had 100 of those, uh, but that's still a, a good game out of three other uh, running backs uh, on that Baltimore team. The Chiefs didn't allow their, the Baltimore running backs to get going literally at all. Uh, Gus Edwards had 20 yards and Justice Hill had three. Uh, Lamar Jackson only ran, ran for 54 to lead the team. Uh, really only broke one, that 121-yard rush. This Holding this Baltimore Ravens team to 81 yards rushing, even as tough as it was for the Chiefs to run the football, they had 89 yards rushing. They essentially outrushed the Ravens and, and outrushed their, their running backs by a lot if you were to take Lamar out of the picture. 
Right. And and that is where it, it, you do have to shout out guys like Drew Tranquil, you know, a guy like Leo Chanel, you know, stepped up uh, in the run fence as well. They were doing a lot of uh, base defense, you know, Nick Bolton, you know, had his plays, even though I don't think it was Bolton's best day. Um, and, and, and I, I you know, I, he did have a really good coverage play at one point, right. Where he should have had an interception. He dropped it. That was, that was good on him for picking up the guy coming across and, and, you know, getting in front of it, not allowing that to be a completion on third down. Um, but you know, I, as I was looking through my PFS stats, uh, you know, I, I, it stood out to me that Molten didn't really make a play and he was without a PFS stop, which is those, that category that, you know, you know, uh, tackles that constantly for the offense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's usually, he had eight against Miami. It was, a, it was, you know, so <laughs> that's, uh, it was kind of a passive game for him, maybe a little bit where he wasn't maybe on the attack as much as you'd like to see against the Niners. I bet you'll see that be a little different, um, because they don't have the same kind of threat. He loves those kind of – I mean, the Miami offense is kind of like the Niners offense, right? So that's where, you know, Nick Bolton's going to be in his element in Super Bowl, I imagine. But Drew Tranquil was in his element here just playing all over the field, right? I mean, he really was just – just. I, I think uh, I saw Lewis Rick even tweeted that he was kind of like the MVP of the weekend or something. He thought he was, he was that good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Any Anything else on the – just – because I do want to talk on, touch on the coverage because I have a few cool coverage things to, to touch yeah, go on ahead. here. Because, I mean, post game, Legereus Sneed, which, you know, he's a quiet guy, right? It's cool to see him kind of come out of the shell a little bit, you know, uh, talk more um, with uh, like guys like Aaron Ladd. Um, shout out Aaron Ladd down in, I mean, Pete was in Baltimore, so shout out Pete. But Aaron Ladd was get, on the field getting some of the videos. Uh, PJ Green of Fox, my guy, um, he was also getting some of the stuff. And he had the tweet actually where I saw, and I, and I don't know who exactly got the quote. It might have been Aaron video, but Legereus Sneed said, the defense basically just played two coverages today, cover zero and tango. And so what cover zero is, we all probably know, right, is just no safeties. Every guy just man for himself. And if you don't have a, a guy you're covering, you're going after the quarterback. So it's you're blitzing. But tango basically means we're going to play zone, but we're going to it's going to be a tight, like an aggressive zone. So it might look like man coverage because once your receiver commits to a certain route, I know he's my guy and I'm committing to him and another guy, but it could be another receiver depending on how the route combination goes. Right. And so, but it's an aggressive thing. It, it, you know, it's not something that they're playing this off zone coverage and you saw it, man. And, and, you know, when they were doing it, that's why you saw Lamar a lot, you know, checking down, you know, right. That was a lot of the, their biggest pass plays were Gus Edwards, you know, taking a, a pass real quick and, and going up the sideline and, and uh, you know, some of the other times justice Hill made a play maybe, um, it was because this, these DBs were not allowing anything down the field. And it was because Spag said, look, guys, I'm not going to make complicated. I'm not going to be, hey, do this, this play, then do this, you know, switch it up, switch it up. We're going to make it complicated up front for Lamar. And y'all in the back end, just do your thing. I'm either call this, either call this. Like that's, that's in Spags we trust. That's what they mean by that. That's why they all love Spags because that does make them play faster, more aggressive, smarter. They're not thinking about it as much. And I, I guarantee you it makes a difference for the DB's uh, mentality throughout the game. Yeah, it was really impressive. And, it, and again, it wasn't even just McDuffie and Snead. Those guys were amazing. But Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, those guys still made plays and they still were tight in coverage. They still knocked the ball away. Um, PFF had the stat line here through the three playoff games so far against those two, Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams combined – Nine targets, three catches, 21 yards, only two yards of yak, and a pass broken up, and the longest catch was eight yards. Uh, That's from your fourth fourth and fifth, third and fourth corners, whatever they are. Uh, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, think about how many times in Chiefs history – you know, <laughs> it's it's the, the the second or third corner, you know, that is just the reason, you know, the, the Chiefs defense gets exploited. And now they have these guys both drafted on day three, you know, both just in their second year, just just shutting it down when they need to. I mean, obviously, you know, they're not going against the best of the best, but, you know, that's the point. You know, they're supposed to, you know, be, you know, doing this kind of I mean, they're not supposed to be doing this, maybe, but they're, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, pl- playing the weaker players and, and maybe having the advantage there and. They've definitely taken advantage. It's cool to see also that they've split time. If you look at their snap count, they they almost are identical through three games. Mm-hmm. They really have rotated. Well, a couple more big picture things that I I think is it's just crazy to think about. There's so many mind blowing stats from this team in this run that they're on. I love Mitch Holtz on on Twitter saying 
this Chiefs roster now has a combined 343 playoff wins. I mean, I remember the day when that was, you know, probably under 10, back when they hadn't won a playoff <laughs> game in, in years. 343 playoff wins on the roster. And this is even crazier. The rookies and second-year players are now 60-0 and 0 in, in the playoffs combined, those, those that contribute. Yeah, they know nothing other than than winning in, in winning playoff games and winning Super Bowls. Yeah, and th- what does that do? That just builds confidence. That's why Jalen Watts and Joshua Williams can play confidently against whoever they're matched up with. You know, that's why a guy like Checo, you know, can just you know run hard, free, you know, because he's been at that stage. It's not you know, it's not too big. Um, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Also, el- something else ridiculous, um, because Peter Schrager is a friend of Arrowhead Pride, and uh, he I, he was on part of my take this week, and he reminded everybody that this guy picked the Chiefs and the Niners to be in the Super Bowl before the season, which is you know obviously impressive. Wow! But if he were to pick correctly, which he did, choose the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, he chose he picked the Chiefs, Trent McDuffie to have a, a pick to, to seal the game. That was his prediction before the season in the Super Bowl. It would be. The sixth year in a row he has chosen the Super Bowl champion correctly preseason. No way. Like, that is nuts. Is that actually he, true? Yeah, no, he's had, you, you can, there's a th- uh, thing on Twitter, you can see his videos of it, because, you know, he's been on Good Morning Football all that time, and that's the thing, Peter Schrager is, was, like, the first on Mahomes. Like, he was saying it from the first training camp that, like, this guy is going to light the world on fire, like, you guys don't even know. Like, he was so correct. Like, he was the first national media guy that really like went out on a limb because I'm sure all the national people were hearing the chatter from Kansas city, but I doubt all of them wanted to be like, all right, like, are we really going to, you know, believe, you know, the hype, right. He was the first one I really from the national media scene. And so he, he's chosen the chiefs in that time, the years they won. Right. And he chose Tom Brady that year. Right. And he chose the Eagles last year. Like it is crazy. So shout out Peter Schrager. That dude knows ball. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. That, we need to uh, get some gambling advice from him going forward. Right. Um, you know, uh, some other stats that, that we noticed, uh, you know, Harold Koontz pointed out, the Chiefs have 14 playoff wins over a six-year span. That's an NFL record. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, part, part of that is due to the fact that they did not get the first-round bye this year, right? So so they, they had an extra playoff game to win. But it's uh, it's really a remarkable run, and right up there with some of the greatest dynasties of all time. Uh, they just passed the the Patriots and the the uh, Buffalo Bills that just couldn't get over the hump, but but we're in the Super Bowl every year. Uh, this was a uh, this has been a historic run, and there's no reason to think that it's over. Right, exactly. Because and and shout out Pete, I tweeted it after the game. Um, but you know he was he just was kind of making the point last week before the game, like you know if the AFC doesn't do it this year if they don't beat the chiefs this year you know this team is ready to reload at the offensive skill position group and just on offense in general this offseason mm-hmm. yeah the defense might take some hits right but def- you cannot rely on defense to be year to year great right you have to rely on your offense and hope that your defense makes plays you know defense fluct- fluctuates year to year no matter what it's it's just how it is this chiefs offense was going to get better and so if, if they win the super bowl this year they, I, I have, you know, I'm very confident that they could be even better, more explosive, more consistent on offense throughout the regular season, getting them up home playoff game again. And, you know, and, and it could turn into another, you know, playoff run. So I, it's just this Chiefs, it was supposed to be the down year stags. It really was. This, it, they and, it was up. and it was a hard path. I mean, the fact that they've had to go yeah. through the, the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Ravens. And then if they happen to beat San Francisco, Aaron Schatz, uh, NFL on Twitter points out the Chiefs will have the hardest path to, to win a Super Bowl through four games uh, based on DVOA uh, if they were to win the Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers. So the the hardest path ever, even harder than the the New York Giants, which I believe was a uh, that was a wild card team uh, that, that went and won the Super Bowl in 2007. Um, this is this is again, it's just historic stuff and not cheap by any means. If you see anybody on social media, which I have seen plenty that have already said that the Chiefs didn't earn it or they uh, uh, they were gifted this this path, uh, this has been a brutally difficult season and a brutally difficult playoff run, and they've done nothing but rise to the occasion when it mattered the most. 
Yeah, and to that point, like you've seen people, and and maybe maybe it is like a, a straw man, you know. I and I hate if it is, but like I, I do feel like some people are saying, well, you know, this is the worst Chiefs team of the Mahomes era, and maybe that's to my point. Maybe I was kind of saying that with the offense, it's going to improve. But my thing is like you could make an argument that the argument that the argument that this, you know, with the defense being as good as it is, it's like one of the most complete teams because the run game, you know, is is probably as good as it's ever been with the Chiefs, you know, in terms of how they can control games with it um and so you know yeah i you know you could make the argument this is actually one of the most complete teams and yet you know it's, it, you could also say maybe it's one of the worst offenses ah it's just yeah. it's just funny it's funny i think i think for a lot of the season it was the worst offense that they've had in the mahomes era but it is the best defense they've had in the mahomes era uh yeah. and now the offense has learned to play within itself uh and there's a winning combination there so uh Let's let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. Uh, in the meantime, Ron, do you have a uh, uh, a player that's played for both the 49ers and the Chiefs? Uh, we got yeah, we haven't even. So there's so many different players we we can choose from. I know we haven't even talked about the Chiefs are facing the Niners in the Super Bowl. The 49ers. We will get to that on the other side. We got we got a few questions on it, um, and you know, obviously, guys, we got a couple weeks. So you know, we got we got next show to really dig in. But here we go. I am an NFL player. And I was originally drafted by the Chiefs and played with Mahomes, but did not stay in Kansas City past my rookie deal. Played with Jacksonville, played with Houston, and uh, eventually ended up with San Francisco. And that was the last team I played on. So who am I? We'll get to that, plus your questions after the break. So stick with us on the Out of Structure podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back talking about your AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs, on the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Sagner here with Ron Kopp Jr. As always, Ron's trying to stump me here with a player that played for the Niners and the Chiefs. So you said he was drafted by the Chiefs left after his rookie deal, went to two other squads, and is now on the 49ers. I believe this is wide receiver Chris Conley. Yeah, I was trying to hide the fact that he's on it now. Like, I was trying to skirt around that. Like, he's not an active player. Like, trying to not say that because, yeah, it is Chris Conley. And he made that play out of nowhere for them. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, shit, Chris Conley. Let's hope I sneak <laughs> that by you. Uh, yes, no, it is. Uh, yeah, I, there's so many players to choose from. I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was hoping you'd, uh, you'd overthink that one, but all right. So, got a Chris so, Conley still, still playing at 31 years old, still making plays. That's surprising. Uh, next week, the question should just be, this is a quarterback that played for both the chiefs and the, and the, uh, right. 49ers. <laughs> and that's, that's the, the question. Dark. All right. Let, let's get to some questions here. Mailbag questions. Uh, here's one that we stole, which I, I love doing sometimes. Uh, other than to get Mahomes, which is probably the second greatest draft pick in the history of the NFL, this is from Robert Mays on Twitter, I'd argue Andy Reid hiring Steve Spagnolo in, in 2019 is the most important move of this Chiefs dynasty. It set them up for the second act. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? I disagree, and that's why I wanted to bring this up. Because um, Robert Mays, first of all, great uh nfl writer podcaster for the athletic Mm -hmm. um 
And they, him and Nate Tice very much are Spagnola appreciators. You know, they very much understand that he's one of the best defensive play callers and they break it down as much as, as well as anybody about kind of what he does well. And I, I understand where he's coming from, but I really think if you, if you want to break it down, I really think the Tyree kill trade was still more important in terms of setting them up for the second act because Steve Spagnolo is a great defensive coordinator, but my thing is he did need a few more pieces to get them over the top. And if they were to pay Tyree kill, there's no way they were getting those pieces that they have now that they, they got Trent McDuffie because of the Tyree kill trade Uh, guys like, I think Leo Chanel, um, you know, guys like, you know, in the draft, you know, I, there's just more draft capital they had to get these guys. And that's the thing. I, I just stat Spags was going to be a great defensive coordinator either way. And, you know, probably we're going to be very good if they sign Tyreek and, and Spags develop the team they had, but I don't think the defense reaches this level. Uh, and, and that might've, you know, cost them this year. Right. Uh, and that might've caught, you know, maybe if it didn't cost them, even if it didn't cost them last year, which it could have, Last year, you know, it could have went uh, downhill last year, not having some of the, the talent they did, you know, not having the second first round pick. But, yeah, I still think the Tyreek Hill trade is second, second most important. But Spags is probably third. What do you think, Spags? You got, well, I never thought about – I hadn't thought about Mahomes being the second best draft pick in the history of the NFL. Uh, it's nice framing there by Mays. I mean, this is uh, – it, it's, it's hard to argue against it now. You remember Brett Veach saying, I watched Patrick Mahomes and he was the best player I've ever seen. I mean, what a what a premonition! What a what a, a visionary statement by uh, by Brett Veach in in his evaluation of Mahomes early on. You know, I, I assume the number one draft pick would be Brady, just given the fact that he was a six rounder and and uh, went on to to win more Super Bowls than anybody else, right? Yeah, but and I don't know if you were going here, but I think that's kind of BS, right? Like that's not a great draft pick. You didn't know, like you, you, <laughs> Mahomes is a great draft pick because of what you're saying. Veach knew this guy was going to be great, sacrificed some a chunk of capital to do it, right? No one mm-hmm. sacrificed anything. No one stood on the table for Tom Brady. It was a six round pick. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they, they would have, I think they've admitted as, as much. They said, if we really thought he was going to be Tom Brady, we would have taken him way before the sixth round. Uh, right. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's a good point. But I, I think I would go with Steve Spagnuolo over the Tyreek Hill trade because, okay. well, first of all, I love that the Tyreek Hill trade is even in the conversation because when that trade happened, it was it was tough to swallow for a lot of us. I mean, it was a really, uh, you know, it was a we knew it was a big haul of picks, but it was one of those moments where it's like, I, this is not going to be that we knew it wouldn't be the same Chiefs team after that after he left. Uh, there have been a lot of times since then where I've thought, man. If they still had Tyreek Hill, <laughs> they'd still be putting up 30, 40 points a game. Uh, yeah. and, and they're not. Um, but getting Steve Spagnolo and getting rid of Bob Sutton was a pretty seismic shift in this in this franchise. And I think that was a uh, that was a really smart hire, obviously. We weren't sure of it at the time. Um, but but Andy Reid had a had a vision there. And I think I think that change was was really really important i think if tyreek hill trade never happened the defensive personnel wouldn't be as good but the offensive personnel would be <laughs> would still be incredible so right. you know anytime you have a, a player of the year type player on offense still um i still like our chances uh, of of having a dynasty here uh, with a mediocre defense and a, and a tyreek hill led offense or a tyreek hill you know making plays on offense so it would have been very different. I'll say it that way. I don't know for yeah. sure that, uh, you know, that it would have resulted in the same run, uh, but it, it would have been, it still would have been a lot of fun and they still would have won uh, quite a bit. I think even if the defense never reached the heights that it does now. No, it's, it's fair. Cause I mean, you know, if you look at it in terms of like, you know, if the tire chill trade never happened, well then you have to look at the other side. If the spags transaction never happened, right. If they kind of maybe hired just some, you know, someone that like if they hired Matt House or whatever, you know, the or I don't know if that was, or yeah, <laughs> well, couldn't have been that. <laughs> it could not have been that. Uh, no, you're right. But like, you know, there's 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 a, a, a chance that the defense never really, you know, takes off and helps the, the offense in that 2019 season. Then, you know, it kind of maybe that frustration grows, um, you know, as the team didn't win a Super Bowl, you know, and Mahomes is. Uh, prime so it's it's a good argument it's a good argument um i 
I think my my final point, though, I think is just that, you know, it seems like with Mahomes, we have found out this year, really, that he he is going to find his his water, like his level of, okay, like this is what I need to do to be the best version of me, no matter what is put around him once it comes playoff time. Um, and so, you know, I think the offense is, ma- ax- you know, is, is maximizing what they have. And so if they didn't have, you know, the defense, I guess, uh, you know, maybe, it, it, maybe, you know, the offense being as good, even with Tyreek, you know, still wouldn't matter because the defense couldn't stop, you know, whoever, you know, cause the offense is going to be the offense. Like you, you, you know, like you kind of said, right. Like whoever they're playing, they're going to be who they be. So, so yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a fun kind of, kind of thought process. Um, but yeah, either way, I think we could all say the number one thing is the Mahomes going to get Mahomes. I mean, that's Brett Veach. We got to just build a statue at some point for Veach. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, I'm still catching a lot of grief about my, uh, disdain over the George Karloftis draft pick uh, and how he's turned out. He, he's obviously turned out way better than, than expected uh, by me and by a lot of other people. Uh, so I still have to take credit for, for, I got that one wrong. Uh, definitely got Patrick Mahomes one, right? Again, uh, I said when he was pre-draft, he was the guy I wanted the chiefs to take when they traded up. I couldn't have been happier because I knew they were going to take Mahomes. And then when they did, you know, I, I, I said, they're going to win multiple Super Bowls because of this guy, and that—that's that was, that was the you know rare thing that I got right. So I want to I want to take credit for that when I can. I mean, you have to, you have to. I mean, this has been this is like five victory laps we got now, or, or four victory laps. So we, <laughs> all right, we're getting tired. I also love this question from Brandon Plank on Twitter: What defensive adjustments shut the Chiefs down in the second half, and how do we avoid that versus the 49ers? How much of that was conservative play calling uh, versus, you know, whatever else? First of all, it, it was a little frustrating to watch the second half. I think the Chiefs very much dialed it down. They were not going to turn the ball back over. They were not going to throw it downfield. It was all short stuff right into the teeth of a very aggressive defense. It was running the ball, uh, even if he was slamming into a, a wall. Uh, it, it didn't matter. They were going to run clock control the ball, not make mistakes. That seemed very, very intentional. And it was also against a very, very good defense. Kyle Hamilton was unbelievable. Uh, Justin Matabuke was was unbelievable. Like this was a defense mm-hmm. that was absolutely stacked and loaded, still is. Um, and, and they made it very, very difficult for the Chiefs to do what they wanted to do, which is run the clock out. They figured it out. They did it. But it wasn't easy. And, and that was largely – Due to both of those factors, it was it was the Chiefs being conservative and the Raiders being or the Ravens being brutal. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean that it really was conservative, in my opinion. Um, it really mo- was more so that. But you know, that's the thing is like conservative play calling is kind of it's not like you, you can't get big plays out of it. You trust your playmakers to break a tackle and 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 get down and and get more yards, right? Or it's just a safer way to try to get those plays. Um, and it's low risk, right? Uh, but low reward, maybe because when you're a Ravens defense, like you just kind of mentioned, all those guys flying around, they don't miss tackles, man. Like that no. was, there was a few plays where, uh, especially, oh man, I can't remember who it was, but there was one guy who caught it in the flat, and if he was just able to make to miss or to make that guy miss, it was a lot of space to work with down the sideline because I think the Ravens just blitzed heavy and kind of forced a quick throw, and the guy just made a great tackle, and it came up. You know, it, it was third and ten after that, or something. I feel like that know. happened with Rasheed Rice and with uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, if if I remember correctly. But yeah, uh, there was there were several plays like that where it was just yeah one if they could break one tackle, something good happened. Uh, but that wasn't happening. And right, and and the Ravens really did. You know, they were trying to say, look, like we're gonna you know, force you to you know get frustrated and try to make a play down the field because we're doing so well at wrapping up and and taking away the underneath stuff. And Mahomes didn't budge, right? He kept, yeah. you know, playing conservative, kept playing safe, playing smart. And then, as we know, we haven't even touched, you know, we didn't even talk about the last play of the game, uh, MVS getting loose. And what happens there is that, and, and this is a tweet I didn't get out this morning yet, but what happens there is Kelsey actually stays in the chip and all these Ravens defenders have eyes on him. And once he does that, they're all kind of like, oh, well, if, if he's chipping, then like, they're kind of just like, wasted right like they don't really 
they, they kind of just stay locked in on him. And then Rice kind of makes a route over the middle too. So the, the one deep safety kind of comes up on him, does not even consider anyone else. And MBS just runs right past him. There's the game. Like it really was like the Ravens just kind of, you know, attacking underneath, attacking underneath. Mahomes kind of taking it, taking it, you know, not forcing anything. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it wasn't forced and it was just like, this is the play because the Ravens were just banking on the Chiefs, trying to go to Kelsey or Rice under the, over the middle on a third and nine, try to play conservative. He said, you know, game. He said ball game. Ball game. I, you know, it, it was so poetic to see to see MVS come down with that ball. I feel like the, the placement of it, I've heard some talk about how it was kind of over the wrong shoulder or it was uh, not an ideal ball placement by Mahomes. But it was in a place where only – only MVS can catch it. Uh, it's, it's almost like Mahomes knew he was going to fall over backwards, and he just put it <laughs> – he dropped it onto his chest uh, just to make sure he he couldn't drop it. Uh, that was awesome to see. You know, we've been bagging on MVS all season, uh, but he's been big in the last two playoff games. But I think you're right. The Ravens were hoping that the Chiefs would do what Buffalo did last week or the previous week, which is get to the point where – uh, they're frustrated. Uh, somebody feels like they got to be the hero. Josh Allen you know, on that last drive uh, that ended up in the missed field goal for Buffalo, he twice started to try to throw way downfield when when it was completely unnecessary to do so. Uh, where he had underneath receivers, uh, he had time to to do other stuff. They had time to kill that entire clock, and and they couldn't do it. So. Mahomes avoided that temptation. Maybe a younger Mahomes might not have, uh, right. but he he certainly showed his maturity and his, uh, and then obviously that killer instinct to just just go for the juggler at the very last on the very last play. There, uh, you saw the enthusiasm from Mahomes when that worked. Uh, he, he certainly had to wait a while to make sure MBS came all the way down with it. Yeah, uh, but then the celebration <laughs> was on at that point. No, that was a it was poetic, and and I think you're. You're right that, you know, it, it could have been a better throw, um, you know, because he, he could have just caught it, you know, over a shoulder and just kind of kept running. Right. Like it didn't have to be like a turn and and catch. But I do think Mahomes likes to he's talked about it, too. And and him and MBS have been off the page on this at times throughout their two years together where, uh, you know, Mahomes likes to put some air on it at times when he knows the guy has created enough separation just because it makes, you know, it's. It's like, hey, like, let's just get the play. Like, let's just secure the catch. You know, we don't have to worry about maybe like getting a touchdown out of it, right? Like, a, you know, where he's running full speed because that, you know, maybe you you risk overthrowing it more when you try to hit him perfectly in stride that deep down the field. Um, and I think that was just, I think that was kind of the, you know, all this all year coming together, you know, all the, you know, <laughs> yeah. the routes him missing, you know, all the reps, all, you know, this is it, it, as long as it kind of gets fixed, but for the right time, right? It's, it is amazing. Absolutely. Ed Helensky, we were just talking about the Buffalo Bills. Ed Helensky asked, in your opinion, did the Bills put up a bigger fight than the Baltimore Ravens, or was it the other way around? I'll let you answer first, but this was a, a good question by Ed. Yeah, it is a good question because, you know, the Ravens defense put up a, more of a fight, right? Um, you know, I think the Chiefs definitely had to overcome more against the Ravens. I mean, even when they scored, you know, Kelsey had to go Superman a couple times just to keep the drive alive. Uh, and, and Mahomes, obviously, his touchdown throw, the back shoulder, the placement there to, to Kelsey was just freaking ridiculous. Um, and then the scramble, the 10-second scramble. So, like, I do think the Ravens' defense definitely fought harder. And, you know, health-wise, right, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think I think overall, you know, the Bills' offense pushed the Chiefs more because the Chiefs' offense kind of did was able to play with a 10-point lead in the second half, you know, there is a, it is different and, and it is an advantage to do that, right. To have a 10 point lead in the second half against a Ravens team that never is behind like that in, in yeah. those spots really. Um, yeah. so yeah. I, I think that's a good case. I was about to say the Ravens, but now that you, I think you've convinced me or reminded me that the chiefs felt completely in control of the Ravens game, uh, throughout. And, and I don't think I felt that way against Buffalo. I think I was a lot more, uh, holding my breath, especially towards the end of the Buffalo game. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with Buffalo on that one. Uh, how about Tim Niker? The primary reason for Kelsey's postseason play compared to the last eight weeks of the regular season, 
The fact that he says primary here in all caps means that we have to pick one of these three things. Yes. Uh, and not more, because <laughs> obviously the easy answer would be all of the above. Uh, the first one is week 18. He rested and finally got healthy, reminding us that he had a week one injury that I hadn't, uh, I had almost forgotten about. Uh, option B is the opponents are more focused on Rasheed Rice, giving Kelsey more room to operate. Or option C, Kelsey flipped a switch and he's in playoff mode now. Uh, which which of those three do you think it is? You know, honestly, I will say A, the primary reason. I do think getting that week 18 rest, maybe not necessarily, you know, getting healthy from the week one injury, um, if that was nagging him all season, you know, but I just think getting that week of rest in general, allowing his body to to kind of just regroup and and get ready for a playoff run. You know, I'm, I'm he did flip a switch, right? But it, it it's clear he's moving better than he was in the regular season, in my opinion. I mean, my God, some of the like that catch he made where he dove back across on the 10 second scramble I just talked talked about. I mean, that's a play. I mean, if the guy's about to retire, he ain't making that play. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's that is a prime. That's 25 year old Kelsey making that <laughs> making that. That dive. was crazy uh, yeah. to me. So yeah, I I would say I think the week 18 rest just kind of gave him kind of a fresh slate to to you know attack the playoffs. Yeah, that was obviously huge, um, and I won't argue that. I'm just gonna say he's flipped a switch and he's playoff Kelsey now, just like Mahomes has flipped a switch. And and yeah, that's fair. You know, I think these two are historic. Kelsey said before this game he's never wanted to, to win more. Uh, than this this particular game, and so they got it done. And and I think Kelsey is Kelsey is on a different level. And uh, playoff Kelsey, playoff Mahomes is pretty pretty stinking fun to watch. Yeah, I, I, that is one thing I said during the game. I tweeted it out pretty early, but hey, it's Hall of Famers doing Hall of Famer things, and yep. that's we got. I I did underrate that again. I again hand up. The, I, I love being wrong. That that touchdown this week, a lot of people pointed out, is probably going to be on both of their Hall of Fame reels. Uh, that was a that was a pretty uh, pretty amazing play, all things considered. But yeah, both of the diving the diving catch and the the where he went up and grabbed it on on third or fourth down this week, uh, both of those were were just absolute uh, incredible plays. And and his stat line obviously showed uh, in the first half just complete and total dominance of this game. Second half they shut it down and he didn't really do much, but. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, an incredible game by Kelsey, and he's—they're not done yet. No, you know what the funny thing too is like, and and again, this goes to the point you always make about you know it doesn't really matter who they play, offense or you know defensively, but like who doesn't who has you know on paper better you know off-ball players to kind of take away Kelsey over the middle maybe, and no he worries. had eleven for eleven for a hundred whatever yard. Like he didn't even get a pass incompleted. Like everything. Yeah got through to him nothing was defended like it really was amazing like if if, if yeah, this team is just you know when they get what they they can get what they want they they just can't no you're right then there's nobody more better equipped to stop kelsey than than the uh the baltimore ravens and and it it didn't matter all right this question comes up so many times a skill issue on twitter uh what free agent wide receiver should they go for to help mahomes down the road uh you know, there's been a lot of debate about this, and I've seen two big names and then probably a whole bunch of other guys that I'm not thinking about. Um, Mike Evans is the one that comes up probably the most. Uh, he's an older player, but, you know, still kind of Kelsey-like. He's shown the fountain of youth uh, this year. Uh, big receiver, gets down the field, scores a lot of touchdowns. And then Hollywood Brown uh, is sort yeah. of a, a more of a speedy guy, um, maybe a little bit more inconsistent, but, but has – shown flashes of of big production are there any other candidates that you want to talk about and then we can say which of the three which of these are, are our favorites you know hollywood brown is honestly one that i have uh kind of maybe uh not taken seriously i just i don't know I, I, he's never been that my kind of receiver but the more i think about it you know with with the way the chiefs you know operate um they also have rasheed rice you know kind of in the fold as that bigger bodied guy that can do a lot of the you know x receiver stuff also plus yak, but Marquise Brown has the deep threat ability, you know, has that speed, has the playmaking after the catch ability too, um, but can also be the underneath guy. He's kind of the, he's, he would kind of fit what, what the chiefs are looking for. Cause I do want them to find someone that will win down the field that will make plays down the field to complement rice and Kelsey kind of making those underneath yak plays, but Brown might just be able to do a little bit of both, even though obviously he's not going to go up and get anything down the field. He just has that speed to break off a corner 
get vertical, create separation, and maybe be a better deep threat than a Justin Watson or a, a, a MVS. And, and maybe that just helps this offense uh, a little more. But again, I think he can do more than that. I just think that's something he he also has. Yeah, I mean, there's other candidates like DJ Shark uh, of the, the Carolina Panthers. You've got uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins uh, from the Bengals that are, that are both going to be free agents. Um, I'll tell Mario you. Mooney. I mean, there's there's some there's some other candidates there. My other favorite would be Calvin Ridley. I, I don't think the Jaguars yes, let him go. But sorry, is that, is that where you're going? No, yeah, because he is an outside guy too. But like he can do both, right? And I think the Jaguars just misused him. I think I maybe I've talked about it on this podcast, but I think the Jaguars' offense was just it was not creative this year. He was just the outside receiver. He either ran a go or a comeback route, like every pass route, pretty much. Like he was never used in a in a very um you know, just versatile way. And he is a versatile receiver to me. He's a guy that can win at all three levels. Um, and, and I think the Chiefs could utilize that. And he might be on the cheap because of how underutilized he was in Jacksonville, right? Like, you know, after Maybe. two years of suspension or whatever, or, you know, a year hurt, then suspended. And then he comes back and just really isn't a play, a difference maker. Might be able to get him at 29 years old at, at not a bad kind of contract. All right. So Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, or Calvin Ridley, Who's your number one draft pick for receivers for the, in the free agent class? Honestly, I think I would say Ridley out of that group just because I know he'd probably be the most reasonable contract. Because I do think Hollywood Brown is is at a point in his career where he can still demand, you know, a, a decent deal. Mike Evans just had a great year with Baker Mayfield, so and he's a Hall of Famer, so he's going to say you know, pay up. And that's where I think we might miss out on Mike Evans because you know I do think a team might just unload to help their quarterback with him so yeah i'd say calvin ridley yeah calvin ridley has a chance to be a number one receiver still in this league i don't know that the other two would really claim that at this point mike evans is probably your your ring chasing veteran that you bring in for a year uh, and, and help you win a super bowl i mean i'd love to see it though i yeah calvin ridley is probably the right choice I, I think mike evans would be an awful lot of fun another question that's coming up a ton this week now that we found out that Charles Aminahu, who has been just really, really solid and good for this for this Chiefs team over the last few weeks, especially had the strip sack this week, uh, found out he he tore his ACL. He told everybody he was feeling great. He, he was going to be ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, but if he's not going to play, Pam Rose asked, like a lot of people have been talking about, is it time for Felix Inaduke Uzama in the Super Bowl? Uh, the rookie first round pick poetically Kansas city native uh, when the draft was in Kansas city, we were all pumped when they took him in a lot of ways, but has been relatively slow developing. What do you think about Felix as the next guy to step up in the Super Bowl? Yeah. You know, it would be kind of cool to see, you know, after not playing most of the season, because again, first portion of the season, Felix, you know, made he plays, right. He had a forced fumble, uh, you know, uh, in the Jacksonville game. Um, he had a, you know, a couple quarterback hits as week one. Um, and then just kind of got shelled because of, of, you know, guys, other guys stepping up, Charles, many who coming off suspension. And, you know, he, I do think he has a long way to go, um, a little bit to be a, a you know, a, an every down contributor, but he's going to need to be used, um, because they, if they do lose Charles, many, or they did lose Charles, many who right torn ACL confirmed, um, sucks to hear that. Hopefully he can, you know, kind of be on a good recovery timeline and be ready for the 2024 season roughly. But for the Super Bowl, Malik Herring has already kind of been eating snaps as that fifth defensive end. And so he's going to have to move up to the fourth defensive end because he is a bigger body, someone that they can trust on the edge a little more than Felix, you know, down to down in terms of against the run. But Felix is a better pass rusher. And so if you just let him kind of just get, uh, you know, play loose in, in, a, in a third and 10, right? Whenever there's kind of an, an obvious pass down situation, you know, let him kind of just get in there and, and tear it up a little bit, be the, you know, be the looper or be the guy that's, you know, uh, kind of being wasted, you know, just let him kind of just do his thing. Cause I think he is, he is, he is, a, has these raw pass rush moves that kind of surprise offensive linemen in my opinion. And, and so I think as long as you kind of put him in right positions, he should play. And, and honestly, I think he could, uh, contribute a little bit because we've seen him do it yeah i mean i would love to say just from a again from a poetic you know movie script standpoint uh that they were going to sign frank clark and he was going to have one magical game to help close out the super bowl and get another ring with kansas city 
I'm right off into the sunset. The most logical answer is for Felix to be the guy that steps up. He he may not be a huge impact, uh, but he but he could be. And, and I think this 49ers team is going to be really interesting. We'll talk next week a lot more. Looking forward to the Super Bowl, the whole experience, the menu, the the party, the the game itself, and the matchup against the 49ers. But I think this is a, a 49ers offense that has a quarterback that you can you can get to, and you yeah. know, but they they've got a lot of weapons that they can beat you with as well. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they line up. Uh, we'll dig into that further. Uh, also, with more of your questions, as always, next week, uh, make sure you rate, review this podcast and all the ones on our, our network. And, re- and make sure you check out Ron and everybody's work on arrowheadpride.com as well. Uh, a lot of great analysis. Uh, it's a lot of fun covering this team as they head to another Super Bowl. Uh, there'll be the media week and everything else happening. Uh, coming up and and we can't wait to to watch along with you all uh, this team that's been just been an absolute uh, absolute blast so thanks for sticking with us and, and tuning in we'll talk to you all next week well not from las vegas but we'll be watching them in las vegas next week Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.